0: Hi, this is Lawrence Gowan of Sticks, and you are listening to Iron City Rock.
1: Hey, everybody, this is Johnny Gioeli from Hardline, Axel Rudy Pell, Crush 40, and now my debut solo album entitled Johnny, and you're listening to Iron City Rocks.
2: Hey, this is
3: Ricky Phillips of Sticks, and you're listening to Iron City Rocks. Oh!
4: Welcome to episode 383 of the Iron City Rocks Podcast. I'm your host, John, coming to you from the Iron City of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, bringing you the best rock, hard rock, heavy metal, and blues talk on the net. Episode 383, we have three very special guests joining us. We have from the band, Gin Blossoms. We have frontman Robin Wilson joining us to talk about the latest album, Mixed Reality, as well as the show they're doing in Pittsburgh on the 20th at Stage AE. Also have joining us from the band, Sticks, we have bassist Ricky Phillips, Talking about the show, they're going to be doing the 14th at the Key Bank Pavilion. that will be Styx, Joan, Jet, and Tesla. And then we have joining us on the line a uh, returning guest back uh, but about two years ago, Johnny Gioelli, who is the singer of uh, Axel Rudy Pell, great uh, melodic, hard rock, European band. Also the singer of Hardline, uh, the band that brought you Hot Cherry uh, back in 1992. Uh, Still is front man for that band. Uh, and is doing a new album that will be due out in July with former hardline drummer Dean Castronova. I'm going to start off with Robin Wilson of the Jim Blossoms. Jim Blossoms released the album Mixed Realities here earlier in the month of June. A great collection of songs as Robin gets into the discussion, kind of the motivation and, and the inspiration for the songs. Uh, so we're going to let him tell that story. Uh, but let's play a little bit of Mixed Reality. We'll get into that with Robin
2: can always hope that somehow you can rise above
0: Empty bottles and regrets always piling up We don't always want what's easy, never is enough
2: Not what I said I to be
4: Ladies and gentlemen, my pleasure to welcome to Iron City Rocks. We have on the line Robin Wilson of the band Jim Blossom. How are you doing, Robin?
0: Very well. Good day to you, John. I'm uh, I'm at the gym in Arizona, taking a short vacation before it all picks up again. But. Yeah. Uh, Hopefully. My son and I are here on vacation, and I'm at the gym, and you got me in a good mood. So awesome,
4: yeah. awesome. Well, I want to start out. Obviously, you guys are rolling into Pittsburgh on July 20th to do a show at Stage AE. But I wanted to talk about the new record, uh, Mixed Reality. Um, it's been just about eight years in between albums between No Chocolate Cake and Mixed Reality. Um, can you know? In the music industry, has changed quite a bit even in those eight years. What kind of led you guys back to the studio you know to go to the expense and effort of a new album um you know is it can you talk a little bit about that
0: sure i'll be happy to but before i do i want to Mm -hmm. say how excited i am to perform with punchline in pittsburgh i'm really psyched about that uh they're they're good friends of ours i've always loved those guys and uh pittsburgh has always been one of my favorite cities Punchline is one of my favorite bands and some of my favorite people, so I'm very psyched about all of that.
2: Awesome. Yeah.
4: Hometown Boys on the show.
0: They're great. They're awesome. Um, My son, the other day. He's 16 years old He said You know I haven't seen Punchline in like 12 years And I just started (laughs) laughing I'm like Oh my god Punchline has been together For that long You know It's so awesome
4: Yeah they predate uh, us We've been on the air For 10 10 years And I know they were One of the first bands You know we we had uh, Talked to on the show So they've been around For a while
0: Yeah Yeah it's great Well uh, best wishes To Punchline Look forward to seeing them um, so to get to your question, why, when, uh, you know, why did it get started to make a new record? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, we were overdue, um, and, uh, you know, we, we just, we needed to get around to it, mm-hmm. and we were motivated, you know, our career's been sort of rebuilding over, you know, since right. the 2000s, you know, we had to kind of start at the bottom of the heap in the early 2000s and sort of work our way through, uh was just slogging away at all kinds of cheesy gigs and stuff. And then, uh, we started to regain our, um uh, our credibility, I guess. And, uh, you know, we, we certainly earned it as a live act
2: mm-hmm.
0: battling it out there on the roads. And, uh, we've, we've played in more auto dealership parking lots than I like to think about, but, yeah. you know, we, uh, then about several years ago we we were on a couple package tours first uh, Summerland with Everclear and Sugar Ray and then the following year Sugar Ray started their Under the Sun tour and they took us out and um, that's really where things I think sort of flipped for yeah. us you know we uh, we stood out on those tours and uh, we Consistently got really good reviews. And uh, what was amazing to me is in the presence of all these other bands, we were sort of like the most organized and most uh, m- mature and together. And uh, mm-hmm. they all, all these other groups looked at us as sort of the leaders. And I, that's when I, I remember just being amazed by that, you know, because I, you know, in my view, you know, a band is such a difficult thing And some of it can be so tenuous And then, you know, when you When we had the opportunity to sort of uh, Be in the presence of our peers We, you know It really did appear that we are Pretty good and pretty organized and stuff You know, and yeah. um, So yeah. things started to turn around then And that's when we started talking Okay, we need another record We need a record And, uh, it took a while, you know, because we were just, we were slogging away, making a living. You know, we all had kids and we were, you know, focused mostly on our, uh, outside of, you know, earning a living through the live gigs and sure. more focused on uh, our families and stuff. But uh, a few years back, about three years ago, we, we met at one of our shows in Ohio, we met producer Don Dixon and... um It was within a few months of that we started talking about making a new record, and immediately I proposed that we hire Don. And um, it was a real motivating thing to know that we were going to be making a record with him. You know, he he produced some of my favorite records uh, records that, uh, you know, helped form or informed me as, a, as as a songwriter, and uh, that inspired me to want to be a singer, and, um, you know, I as a singer, I've always generally given credit to people like Robin Xander and Freddie mm-hmm. Mercury and sure. Tom Petty as being, like, my touchstones, but... I I really have to give just as much credit to Michael Stipe and Pat Benatar and Marshall Crenshaw, right. all artists that that Don Dixon produced, and um, you know those those records that Don made in the eighties. I was working at record stores, and they were you know they were constantly in rotation in the record stores, and they were some of my favorite albums of the decade, and. um so working with Don was a big inspiration, and as soon as we had him on board, he suggested we go to North Carolina and record at Mitch Easter studio, and have Mitch Easter be the engineer, and once we knew, we had the dream team of Don and Mitch, you know, right. it, was, it was a real motivating factor to kick some ass. Like,
4: did you guys have the songs prepared at that point, or was this, did you kind of get a producer and, and kind of have to woodshed the songs or, or these songs that you know you've accumulated over the, the over the years?
0: Well actually I mean, no we didn't have I mean we have songs in the can mm-hmm. but everything that's on this record was written after we decided we were working with Don okay. and we you know I think each of us as individuals began writing songs about a year before we went to record and um, I my story as a, as a songwriter for so this record was really cool I hadn't gotten started yet but I was I was keeping notes in my in my notebook and I was writing down lyric ideas and song title ideas and that's that's usually how I mm-hmm. get started and uh, at the time my son he was 14 years old he was starting to play a lot of guitar and suddenly beginning to really appreciate the fact that I was a professional musician right. and uh, of course he had, he had always known that but now that he was becoming a guitar player he began to see you know right. the, the, the truth of it all so right. he, he asked me one day well how do you write songs how do you get your ideas and so I had to distill it down to how you would explain anything to a 14 year old, you know. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, I said, Well, you, you think about the artists that you love and that you want to sound like, and you think about the kind of message that you want to deliver to an audience, and how, wh- what kind of mood do you want to create, and how do you want to make people feel, and you know, hopefully, all of those things come out in your songs and so I had explained it to him and then just within about a month of that I started actually writing songs for this album and I was tapped into something really elemental as a songwriter I was reconnected with my 18 19 year old self and the motivations that you know that brought me to this and I just launched into it and just started kicking ass, you know. And one night I came up with uh, two of the best songs I think I've ever written, and uh, that made it onto this record. And um, I I knew I was on track. I knew that I was. Uh,
3: You're back, yeah. Sort of, ha-
0: yeah. I was hacked into a younger version mm-hmm. of myself, and I knew that I was delivering good material to the band. And um, and it wasn't just me; my bandmates too. They all turned in fantastic material, top notch. And uh, we, you know, as a band, you have to compromise. But um, now, you, you know, we we really did it right this time.
4: When you write songs, uh, you know, as you're the collective unit of the Gin Blossoms, as opposed to to Robin just writing, you know, because as a writer. You can go in many different directions and different influences that may sound nothing like your band. Um, do you have to kind of put on a gin blossoms hat when you're writing these songs and say, okay, here's what what I feel fits in the context of what the gin blossoms does?
0: No, not exactly. In fact it's the opposite. If hmm. you're if you're gonna write something for someone else, you have hmm. to try and put on their hat. Okay. Um, what what we do in the Jim Blossoms comes very naturally to us and we okay. don't really over, overthink it and uh, you know I I cull from my influences you know mm-hmm. mainly stuff like like Tom Petty and Cheap Trick I right. think uh, you know R.E.M. and The Smithereens are, are you know sort of the direction I generally go sure. but um, on this record I, I wrote a song it's the dirtiest thing I've ever written it's called The Devil's Daughter mm-hmm. And I've gotten a lot of shit for it You know, a lot of people say Well, this is unlike the Jim Blossoms And my bandmates were all Very nervous about right. About recording it And I felt like Well, you know, I listen to My favorite bands are My Chemical Romance And uh, Green Day right. And I felt Totally authorized To write a song like that and um, I, as I said, I had to sort of defend my position, but I knew it was a great song, or I felt it was a great song. And, mm. uh, and when, I, when I played all my demos for Don Dixon, that was the first one that he said, this is awesome and it's going on the record. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, no, matter, no matter what arguments my bandmates kind of came up with, I, sure. I could always say, well, Don loves it.
4: Yeah, and that's that's kind of where I was going with that. Sometimes you get a, a situation where, you know, you mentioned R.E.M. You look at, the, like, the Monster album, for example, which had some, you know, electronic elements to it, you know, what's the frequency, Kenneth, and things like that, which to somebody who was a, a big fan of some of the early R.E.M., might, they might say, well, this is kind of a departure. And, and that's kind of what, what I was getting at, you know. Do, do you feel somewhat, you know, free to write what you want inside the band, you know, Regardless of what your prior material sounds like, um, you know. But I think you still need that artistic freedom to go and be honest with yourself and not try to write, you know, new miserable experience too. For example,
0: right. You know e- exactly. And you know, I, you know, my my favorite records include things like A Night at the Opera by Queen, and that mm-hmm. covers so much ground. I mean, there's all kinds of songs on there, mm-hmm. and. Uh, A band like The Darkness, one of my favorite bands, they cover a lot of ground in the type of material that they write. And So, uh, you know, I, again, I felt fully authorized and uh, completely justified in turning in that song. And also, it's the kind of song we would have wanted to play in 1989 Mm. or Mm. 1990. We had songs like that in our early days that never made it onto records. And I know for a fact that... uh, that we would have loved playing The Devil's Daughter in 1989. And, um... In those days... You no, know, I also... I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say that I, you know, I also felt really connected to uh, to our original guitar player, Doug Hopkins. Mm-hmm. While I was writing these songs, I I felt like I was sort of uh, channeling Doug a little bit. And... Um, I, I was confident that the material I was writing for this record was were songs that, that Doug would have wanted to play. And he mm-hmm. was really hard to please. You know, mm-hmm. when I first turned in Allison Road many years ago, he used to say, Well, it's my riff that makes that song, you know. Right. He never wanted to give me credit. He never really wanted to play my songs. And so, you know, pleasing him was always a motivational factor and sure. I, I I think that on this record that I, I wrote songs that Doug would have wanted to play
4: that's fantastic, no, just out of curiosity you know, going back to the, to the first record did the band get a lot of say in, you know, obviously you write a collection of songs but there's a whole army of people in 1992 at a record company that, that get a say in this Did did the band members get much say in what actually makes the final record you know, in that era
0: yeah, I suppose so. I mean, I didn't much as an individual. Yeah. Uh, you know, mostly Doug Doug and Jesse were the main songwriters, you know, yeah. and I was still kind of being perceived as the new guy, yeah. you know, even though I joined I joined 3 months after the band first performed. Right. But, you know, I still had to sort of earn my way back in. And um when we left for Memphis, To record new miserable experience at that point, I didn't have any songs that were going on the record, Mm -hmm. and I remember complaining about it and saying, "Hey, I've been—I've got a batch of material. You guys haven't wanted to rehearse for six months now. I've been trying to play you my new songs. Nobody wants to hear them, and now we're going to make a new record, and I don't even get any new songs, Mm -hmm. and." I remember Jesse saying, "Yeah, Rob, that's kind of the way it is." You know, I mean, I think we've already got the material for the album, and I was pissed. I was super pissed that I was mm. being cut out. And so when we when we got to Memphis, I was I was pouting, and mm. uh, you know, I mean, I was doing my job, but I was sort of pissed off. And right. you know, we would when we would uh, stop tape, I would sort of just barge out of the room and storm off, and you know. Go, go off by myself and pout and eventually they came back to me and they they knew that there was a problem they, they needed to fix and so right. they called a, a meeting with producer John Hampton and they said all right Rob we're going to learn one of your songs what have you got and I was like holy shit now I'm <laughs> now I've really got to show them something you know yeah that's and so a... I had like I had like five songs on tape and I I played them the five songs and the the standout was Until I Fall Away. And so they all said, well, if we're going to learn one, let's let's learn Until I Fall Away. And so we we learned that song and when the record was finished, I remember our A&R guy saying, "Oh, that's a single. Until I Fall Away is a single." And I I felt so fucking validated, you yeah. know?
4: Yeah Did you, you Am I correct you, you wrote Allison Road as well Correct Yes Okay
0: yeah. So you had now, a couple on there. One of my high points As a songwriter You know Really yeah. kind of Kind of nailed Something elemental there You know
2: Yeah And enough.
0: uh I think uh On the new record I, I think the best thing I've contributed Was Is the first single Break mm-hmm. I think that's one of The most natural Songs that I've ever written mm-hmm. And um I'm really pleased with that, and then, but of course, The Devil's Daughter is is really fun, and I think, uh, you know, just a, a, a great, fun tune, and my son played Cowbell on that song, by the way, so oh, I'm super so proud cowbell. that I can say that my son played Cowbell on the dirtiest song I've ever written, does, and... Does, um,
4: you got to get the yeah. lawyers to get his, his um, residuals from that... <laughs>
0: Well, they, they all go to me, you know. I mean, he gets <laughs> enough of my money. Um, um, and that's... then, you know, another song I have on the record is called "Face the Dark." And when I first wrote it, I thought I was writing about the end of my marriage. But by the time I was done with it, I I realized I was actually writing a song about Doug Hopkins. Oh, yeah. And as I as I realized that, I you know I wanted it to be arranged like. An REM song or early Jim Blossoms. I wanted, to, I wanted it to sound like a companion mm-hmm. to some of Doug's songs like uh, Lost Horizons or Found Out About You. I wanted it to feel like it belonged in that batch of songs. And so, uh, Face the Dark for me is, is, a, is kind of a Doug Hopkins song. You know. Awesome,
4: awesome. Well, it, it came out as you know, a, I think a really strong album. I had a chance to, to listen to it many times, and I'm looking forward to seeing you guys again. You're coming on July 20th with our friends Punchline. It'll be a fantastic hey. night. Uh, we love having you here in Pittsburgh, and we'll see you in uh, just a couple weeks.
0: Can't wait. Pittsburgh's always been one of my favorite towns. You know, when you grow up in Arizona. You see Pittsburgh in the movies or whatever, and you have a an image of your in your head of what it's mm. going to be like. But from the moment I first saw Pittsburgh, I fell in love with it. I think it's just a gorgeous city. I've always loved the people, and um, I always look forward to being there. So oh. uh, I can't wait for the twentieth. You know, it's, awesome. a, it's a good summer for our band, and uh, we're going to make the most of it.
4: All right, again, that is uh, Robin from the Gin Blossoms. The new album, Mixed Reality, is out now. Uh, they will be in town for a show at Stage A.E. on the 20th. Uh, you can get tickets for that. Uh, should be tickets fail but the door. Uh, you can get tickets online at Ticketmaster.com for that event. Great to see them uh, doing new music. Uh, you know, a lot of bands come um, to come around at the stage of their career, kind of coast. Uh, but it's great to see the Jim Blossoms putting out what I feel is really a good album. I kind of enjoyed listening to it. It was almost like a, a slightly... This is going to sound odd, but a slightly lighter Green Day in some spots. It's it's a, uh, but it's still got a very distinct sound of Robin's voice on it. So I think uh, you'll really enjoy it if you're a fan of of their earlier work. So let's turn our attention now to a band that uh, many many studio albums, including uh, about a year ago, put out an album called The Mission. The band is Sticks, uh, and I should mention that they will be releasing uh, The Mission, which is a concept album about a trip to Mars. We talk about in the interview. They'll be releasing that on 5.1 on DVD audio. So if you were a fan of the album or haven't really listened to the album yet, it's a great way to experience an album in that full uh, sonic uh, quality. So check that out. Also should mention for fans of Styx, uh, Tommy Shaw and the Contemporary Youth Orchestra. And that Contemporary Youth Orchestra is made up of young men and women in the Cleveland area. Uh, They perform together... um, believe it was earlier this year uh they're releasing on DVD I'm sorry it was last year uh but they're putting it on DVD just as the day I'm speaking of this here in late June they're putting that out on DVD it's called Sing for the Day it's a collection of songs that include Tommy Shaw's solo material uh, uh quite a few of sticks hits uh, even some damn Yankees thrown in for good measure uh done in, in kind of a different way it's it's mostly acoustic there's a little bit of electric uh, full-on orchestra and a full-on choir. So it's a really kind of a really special performance you capture to commemorate. They actually did it to commemorate when Styx played with the Contemporary Youth Orchestra about 10 years ago, uh, which is also available in CD and DVD. So I'm going to check those out. They're very good uh, kind of bookends uh, of Styx and Tommy's music. So we're going to turn our attention now to an interview with Ricky Phillips, who is a bassist. He's been the bassist of Styx for about 15 years now. Um before that, he was in Bad English, which I'm sure many of you remember with Tom Wade and Neil Sean. Um, and also, prior to that, was in a band called The Babies, who uh, kind of proved to be a launching ground for several uh, musicians. Tom Wade, uh, Jonathan Cain was in that band just prior to blowing up the world with Journey. So, uh, a great, great uh, band. I don't think they get necessarily appreciate the United States as much. Uh, maybe because of the time they came out, it was like the late 70s, early 80s. Disco was kind of big. Rock wasn't quite as, as big on the radio. And some of us, quite frankly, were too young to remember them. But So if you're looking for something just kind of different to listen to at some point, go back and check out some of the Babies' albums. Uh, and Bad English is another one that you might have forgotten about. So we're going to get into that interview with Ricky here, and we're going to talk all about the show. They're coming into town on July 14 to do a show with Joan Jett and Tesla. So. Without uh, further ado, the key thoughts. rocks we have on the line Ricky Phillips of sticks how you doing Ricky
3: oh john i'm doing great man glad to be here
4: well thank you for the time um, you guys are rolling into Pittsburgh on the 14th Well, burgertown officially on the 14th with uh, Stix, Joan Jett, and Tesla for uh, kind of a a really cool mix. I I enjoy some of these package tours when you guys get bands that are a little bit different, you know. You know, Joan's got, you know, certainly the punk vibe, and Tesla's got kind of that 80s, you know, hard rock vibe. Uh, It makes for a nice mix, you know. You get some uh, interesting demographics.
3: I I couldn't agree with you more. We do get offered... uh Bills uh, with other bands that are great mm-hmm. bands, and, and and generally most of the time we have dear friends in some of these bands. But mm-hmm. it just to me, it sounds boring. It sounds like a an old fogies night almost. And and right. you know, we kind of like playing with uh, this this group as as I was telling you is is uh, this pairing and grouping of the three actually. A pair would be two, but the three bands together seem to. I wasn't sure. I was actually scratching my head. I was going to mm-hmm. is this going to work? Mm-hmm. and it from the very first night was um uh, los angeles and up the, up the west coast all, now we're on the east coast it's been um it's been a home run it's it's pulling people out to have a very full it's a great palette going across the the rock and roll spectrum yeah. and getting a little a little something different with it with each band that comes out and I, it's working uh it's working great
4: yeah, it's it's kind of a nice, you know, you see that a lot in Europe And you saw that a lot in the 60s with festivals Where they would put bands that may have absolutely nothing in common uh, And I kind of like it, you know Because somebody who may not ever, you know, go see a Joan Jett show But it might be, you know, this might be the third or fourth stick show Will get exposure And somebody who may have never seen Tesla um, Although those, those guys seem to tour incessantly So I'm sure just about everybody's <laughs> seen Tesla at some point um, but, it, it, you know, it, it gives, you know, you're pulling from different demographics, which is, you know, you know, I'm sure financially makes yeah. sense to get some different, uh, think, different fan bases it's
3: in. interesting, too. I remember Bill Graham used to do this, and he, I remember going to the Cow Palace
2: mm-hmm.
3: um, back in, uh, gosh, probably in the early 70s, and, it be, and Rory Gallagher opened up the show, and then Earth, Wind, and Fire went on, and the, the yeah. headliner was, Rod, was uh, Rod Stewart, the Faces, so... You know I, I love that kind of diverse bringing bringing different yeah. of cultures and, and different kinds of people who generally as you said might not might not even go or see that band
2: yeah and
3: it's, uh, so it's 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 been a blast and, yeah. and and we love Tesla we were talking you were talking about Tesla they, they are a hard act follow well, I Man, they, yeah. they come out with both guns blazing um, even if some parts of the country aren't as familiar with Tesla once they hear them I I would bet you there's a good portion of people who want to go out and at least Buy something of theirs, or listen to something of theirs, and, and get a little, to know a little bit more about them. Yeah, and uh, it's they're a great, great opening act. Yeah, they, they they've
4: been at it. I, I remember them from you know way back with Def Leppard. It seemed like you know they've been they were yeah. always working. And then my hats off to them. They they continue to make great music. Uh, and speaking of great music, we're here. It's been about a year now since the mission came out, but you guys are. Uh, redoing that—I well, don't want to say redoing it, but releasing it on DVD audio—which um, I, I have to imagine as a bass player—that's kind of an exciting thing because it's, you know, a chance to better hear yeah. what you did. Um, can you talk a little bit about, you know, the process of that, or, or do you guys get involved in the mixing of that?
3: You know, I I don't get involved in in that. That's pretty much a Tommy Shaw thing, mm-hmm. uh, especially with with this particular uh, record because just the whole concept when Tommy pulled me aside and he said look I, I got something going on and I'm, I'm working on something it's it's uh, I'm developing it it's it's a concept record and it's it's about a mission to Mars and I went and immediately went what? <laughs> and I'm thinking <laughs> Styx has had uh, all kinds of problems with with concept records in the past and, and mm-hmm. blah 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 and then he said to me he said um, it's really he he's if you think about it, in our lifetime, I can't remember the year, I think it's something like 2035 or something, there is a planned mission to Mars. He said, this is right. going to happen in our lifetime. And what he did in the writing is, is he started giving me things. I was working on producing and finishing the, the Ronnie Montrose 10, 10 record, and he and, and Will, the producer, started sending me stuff as I was already in the studio, and said, what do you, what do you think? do you listen to this, um, and can you send us back some, some ideas for for what you would like to play on this, what you think would be appropriate. So I'd be, I'd, I'd kind of listen back and I'd go, this is cool. Um, let me see what I, immediately I'd stop what I was doing on the Ronnie record and, and, mm-hmm. and uh, blow something down. I'd send it to them. And it was very cool to be uh, given something fresh and something outside of what I was already doing. Sure. And I, I was able to, in, in the final analysis, when it was all done, said and done, and I listened back to. Um, it was a great r- way to stay creative, not get stagnant, and come up with fresh ideas,
2: mm-hmm.
3: um, to already be set up, to not have to kind of be the tedium of setting something up. And um, and then try and put two hats on. You've got your engineer's hat on, then you've got your, your creative hat on. Uh, and um, I'm, very, I'm thrilled and happy with what I did, but what Tommy did and kind of what I was more getting at was that he made this record and the subject matter a little bit more about the people involved right. in this mission. And I think that's where the heart and soul comes from in this record and why it has a little bit something extra. Yes, there's great melodies, there's a lot of great performances, mm-hmm. but the songwriting I think is extraordinary for for a concept record because you, um, you aren't being bored to death with just some, some guy's tedious idea of what he thinks is cool of going to Mars. It's really that's kind of almost secondary. I think the best songs really come from uh, the human human condition, human experience, and, right. and that's that's really evident in in, in this. And, and it makes it makes the record I think have a little bit more passion to it. Yeah,
4: yeah. Well, it turned out fantastic. Can't wait to hear the you know the the full on you know five point one mix. ought to be mind blowing? Yeah. yeah, that. Um, yeah, that's very cool. When. Um, you were asked to join the band, you know, rewind 15 years. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of a unique situation with Chuck still playing with you guys. Was that... Sure. Did that make it more attractive because you weren't stepping into a situation where you're, you know, putting somebody else necessarily out to take, you know, take the job you're kind of helping in a way? And, you know, can you describe a little mm-hmm. bit your relationship and how you, you know, learn from him, the parts, et cetera?
3: In the very beginning, um, I had no relationship. With Chuck at all I didn't mm-hmm. really know Chuck um, Tommy and I Had known each I, When I was in the babies We opened up for Bad English And toured with mm-hmm. him and, Since 1979 So I, I knew Tom, Tommy and I Just We'd been friends For, for years and, and never really Had a chance To hang out A lot together But we would Gravitate towards One another at mm-hmm. Certain certain events yeah, Like it was a, An awards show Or something In Los Angeles And we were there we, Each of us Were for friendly fire And we would end up Hanging out Right. we just were drawn to each other in that sort of sense and we always wanted to work together but when I got the call uh, it was actually from Todd Zuckerman, the drummer in sticks who is uh, well he's world renowned now um, mm-hmm. he wasn't yet at that time but Todd and I worked a lot doing sessions in Los Angeles and um, and just I loved working with Todd and if I was producing something I was always frustrated with the fact he was touring <laughs> with Right. and and I couldn't use him on uh, most of the time. And then he calls me and he says, you sitting down? And I said, uh, no. And he said, we well, sit down. You going to sit down. <laughs> I said, okay. He said, listen, um, I just found out that Tommy and J.Y. are, Are, are uh, he's, he's a very session guy. He, he sure. grew up doing sessions from the time he was 12 years old in, in Chicago. He's just like this amazing drummer at an early age. So he he's kind of a jazz vernacular sometimes. Mm-hmm. And the, the base chair and and sticks is, is available and I just heard Jay and Tom are going to call an offer it to you and I asked if I could be the first to call and I go well, what he goes what are you going to say are you going are you got would you do it man or would you pull yourself away from all your productions and and, and I said hold on I said really and I said wow well this is, you know obviously the first time hearing about that mm. he goes, well yeah Tom's going to call you here in a few minutes but I just asked if I could call first so it was just such a wonderful way to um, be invited on board Mm -hmm. not just by people you know but people who um, really liked working with and and, and admired and respected their work Um, so I've got Tommy I've got uh, uh, I didn't really know that much about Lawrence except that I had gone to see Sticks A foreigner invited me to a show that they were doing with Mm Sticks in Los Angeles and when I went the first thing I saw when I walked in with Sticks was on stage And I saw Lawrence with Sticks. I'd I'd heard about him, but I I knew he was a big star in Canada, but I had never seen him before. He blew my mind. I was going, How did they find this guy? What a perfect, perfect person to step in. And um, so, uh, and J.Y. and I had not really been friends. Um, I was Hmm. actually kind of afraid of J.Y. He had this huge
2: (laughs) intimidating guy,
3: (laughs) intimidating guy. Dead, we were dead straight. And um, Tommy said, uh, li- Listen, we're doing. It was actually to- Tommy's 50th birthday party. Was it, a, it was at a co- place called Lucky Strikes in, in Hollywood. And he said, Why don't you come and at least you can meet everybody? And uh, as you're learning material and you're getting all this together, you've got an awful lot of work to do. At least you can kind of. It was going to be a. Um, a friendly place, uh, something that's not, you know, no everybody's kind of have have a cup of cocktails and be bowling and just it's something that's out of, away from the studio and everything, a more uh, relaxed atmosphere. I said absolutely, let's do that. So when I showed up, I also noticed that there were all these other bass players there, and I mean yeah. the best in the business. So I realized, wow, if I fuck up, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah there's, there's, they got back up here.
4: They're Right so, there, waiting uh, to take your place.
3: It was it was it was kind of funny. I, mean, I never asked anybody about this afterwards. I said, Hey, did you, right? you know, so and so and so and so, and so because, uh, but I was thinking, well, that's smart. So, um, uh, one of the things I did when I got there is, of course, said, hey, you know, hug big hugs to Todd and to Tommy and everything. And um, I went over and I sat down with did with JY. I said, JY, I said, uh, you and I have never really spoken. Uh, I'm Thrilled as hell, very excited about this, and I, I, I was, you know, I had that fear of this is this is this is James Young, you know, and he's, he's like a mountain of a man, yeah. And um, we started talking, and I realized, wow, that's why I hear such great things about this guy. Is he's, mm. he's, he's just got a lot of compassion. His heart's really in the music. It has been from the very beginnings of Sticks, and um, I didn't realize until. Uh, soon after that that he was really on the first couple sticks records, he was he, he sang more songs than Dennis did. And yeah. um, that Dennis grew, grew into it became kind of the, the big focus at one point at mm-hmm. the band. and then Tommy came in and it got even bigger. And then they had these big diverse personalities between the th- three lead singers, Tommy Dennis and Jy. Um, and I got on, got on Like a House on Fire with, with JY, and we still do. I love the man. He's just a, he's, he's a immense. He's great. And so Chuck was actually the last guy that I really, really got to know. And Chuck was also going through, um, my gosh, we, it, it's not even a joke. It's it's probably a fact within our band. We think when it's all said and done, when it's all over, it's going to be the cockroaches and Chuck. Yeah. Because Chuck has had, had every... Um, he he was hit by a taxi cab driver um, in in New York City, so he he sometimes shuffles a bit when he walks. He's had every, uh, you know, it's no no, uh, secret. In his book, he talks about um, all all the medical problems Mm. and issues he's had. And now, uh, go from when I joined the band um, 15 years ago to today, we were, Chuck and I shared. Uh, we often shared a dressing room, um, and Chuck and I were talking about this last night. He, um, you know, when I first came in, he was on so many meds just to yeah. keep him going, and he would often pass out and go to sleep. He had enough energy to come on and, and play the, 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 the spots that he plays in the show, and then just be back to sleep. Or he could be sitting up in a chair. In a restaurant, and, and not out. Now, he is, um, completely controlled every issue that he's gone through from cancer to this to that to the other thing, and mm-hmm. uh, he's he's fantastic. He's very very uh, in the moment. Um, he can really enjoy uh, and be on the road quite a bit of the time. I would I would imagine it's in the mid ninety percent. Of, of the shows that he does mm-hmm. with us probably you know 97 98 of the shows and um if it's really tough routing or something where we're just going to be you know, big long overnight drives like three or four in a row he'll, right. he'll sit he'll sit those out but yeah. other than that <laughs> other than that he's with us and um, he's he and his brother you know started the band he's part of the brotherhood Yeah. Um, uh, I'm proud to be in an organization of of guys who respect that and have yeah. respected Chuck and, um, and 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 also the legacy of Johnny, who was an amazing drummer, wrote uh, great parts on on all those six records, and um, the, uh, it it's just so nice to see what how these guys have stuck together. Through thick and thin, uh, and and you know any adverse. Every band has problems. Every sure. as a producer, I always have to deal. When I was doing, for example, the the Ronnie Montrose, record, every band I've been in, bad English. We had we had personnel issues. You know, guys didn't always get along. In The Babies, we had personnel issues. Guys, you know, a couple guys would always get have problems. Um, their egos would get in the way, or whatever it is. And so Sticks dealt with it in a way. Um, that was hands on they didn't rather than let you know if rather than let, let the organism die they cut out the cancer mm-hmm. and um, it to me I've, I'm impressed by that I've come from a different place in looking at it there's a lot of people who have investments in, in the personnel and investments in the music and it's sure. know, their band and so they, they take it personally and they get all upset and how could you and all this stuff but I look at it as wow how what, what a mature and appropriate way you either walk away and it's destroyed forever or you make a change whether you like it or not you make a change and then hopefully it will get better and that's 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 what's happened in this this case and it's such a great energy to be on stage with these guys it's such a great energy to be on the bus with these guys to be mm-hmm. at, at a dinner or a function that we have to do that we might be, not be crazy about doing but we have to because it's sure. business. business um, I always know I've got buddies on both sides of me, um, on on the stage and off stage, um, to to just carry the load. And it's I think really an adjustment that uh, uh, JY and Tommy have, have been very very careful in uh, and instrumental in coordinating and and, and job well done in, in my book.
4: Yeah, and, and I'm sure a lot of that comes with you know vetting the right people, you know, like yourself um you know to take those roles because you know it'd be just as easy to get you know maybe i'm sure there's a a million bass players who can play a million miles an hour but might be introducing a new cancer into the into the situation so you know that's a
3: good point and i and i would assume you're right yeah
4: yeah i mean when you look at you know 15 years in the band you know they obviously picked the right guy because you know a lot of bands don't last 15 years um, you know, it's, yeah, there's no.
3: I think about it. All the stuff I've done, nothing has even come close to lasting 15 years. So, yeah, yeah, I, I mean, agree.
4: Yeah, in in one cohesive unit. No, I mean you can't think of too many. I mean you look at maybe Aerosmith on their second stint is is a whole sure. band is maybe the one example yeah. I can think of that, that of a band. But sure. you know, they sure went through their hell to get to that point too. Um, mm-hmm. How much when, when it came to Sticks and and obviously you listen to you know the the, the stuff from uh, Paradise Theater from Pieces of Eight. How much of, of your role came to your voice over even more of it than your bass playing? I mean, because there's so much mm. you know harmony in some of that stuff.
3: Yeah, well, that's a good point, and it was something uh, I should have should have touched on when they first mm-hmm. asked me. I didn't, just Tommy said, "Hey, I'd I'd offer you this gig right now, just flat out."
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, I I know, I know you can, as a bass player, you'll be a great addition, but here's one one intangible here, and I, and I kind of was puzzled, I said, well, what's that? He said, we are continuing on with the sound of sticks, we are not, this is not the new sticks, this is a continuation, mm-hmm. and we insist on um, every you're going to have to learn all of Chuck's parts it's not the way Ricky Phillips would play the parts he says now within that he said you can be yourself and, and, and uh, I realized as, as I joined the band and got past this this hurdle that I'm about to talk about I realized that um, Todd Zuckerman had certainly found a way to play Johnny's parts and still become himself within the songs and I thought that's what I have to master I have to figure out how to honor the songs how to pay uh, homage and, and great respect to the original recordings and still be myself because I'm too old and too too long in my career to be doing a karaoke situation. Sure. So it, t- it was a little bit of a process, but the, the, what Tommy was alluding to was he said the vocals, we have to make sure that when you sing, it still sounds like sticks, we, that the blend of our voices has oh. that tone, that that timbre, that, that, uh, that sound. That resonates with with the records, so I'm lucky because for some reason um, the statement has made, been made several times within within the ranks, whether it's our sound men or or it's guys in the band or something. When I sing something,
2: mm-hmm.
3: I have sort of a timbre. It's not as big. JY has this huge booming voice, yeah, yeah but I it have sure a timbre does. that's very resonant. Of and similar I can sort of morph myself into a JY tone
2: <laughs>
3: and then depending on the key of the song I can actually do I can't sing uh, the high piercing parts that Tommy does but I can uh, within my mid-register I can I can mimic uh, Tommy's tones okay. so I don't know I never knew that I would have never known that if it hadn't been put to the test but I just got lucky and I'm fortunate that within that I'm able to you to sing right parts um, a, a great example is in "Too Much Time on My Hands." When when Tommy goes off and that song starts off with him, I sing the harmony part on the chorus. At a certain point, he branches off and he doesn't sing that mm-hmm. chorus part because he's doing all the scats that are involved in the answers. So I take Tommy's part in all in that song, and um, yeah, and it's 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 amazing. It sounds within the unit, you know, covered by right. other voices and blending in. Uh, it sounds like Tommy's in that part and um, it's just I'm just lucky I'm just total it's total luck I mean, I mean you have nothing to do with your DNA and why that is but
2: mm-hmm.
3: um, I can do that and um, and now I've learned what to do with my days so and I'm able to stretch out there's a funny story about uh, I hadn't been in the band that long maybe two months and um, all of a sudden I'm getting I'm more comfortable I've been doing it I've done quite a few shows under my belt now and I'm playing things and I don't remember the song, but I remember sort of riffing off and doing doing sort of a line and 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 bringing it back in. And to the song, I, right in the middle of it, um, I see Jay JY kind of snap his head and look over, at him,
2: <laughs> and I,
3: I thought, "Oh, okay, I better back back <laughs> off, back off the pedal, back off the pedal." And <laughs> after the show, we're all you know soaking wet. We're toweling <laughs> off and get ready. to all jump in the shower. Uh, and and uh, you can get on with the evening and go to the next city, and JY comes in and says, "Ricky, uh, you know that uh, the thing you were playing in whatever the song is, blah blah blah." And I went, oh "Well, you're a good And I said, "I said, yeah, JY, I, I know what you're talking about." He goes, "That was fantastic. Keep doing that. I like that right there. That's, <laughs> it's a good spot." Yeah. So I realized I kind of got the green light from him that I wasn't stepping on the material that I was appropriately coming in with something new, and that's. That began to you know grow a little bit and uh, yeah. now I've pretty much got my places where I I don't even think about it I'll vacillate between a few different ideas and keep it fresh sure. but I, I don't really write parts that I do for this for, for stick songs and try to make it my own I really just do it um, depending on whats kind of how the the ebb and flow of the band from night to night, and, sure. and it's been working out great
4: that's fantastic well I don't, I don't want to take any more of your time Ricky it's been a pleasure speaking with yeah. you again you're coming on the 14th uh, Bergerstown with uh, Sticks, Joan Jet, and Tesla it'll be a fantastic yeah. night hopefully it's dry uh, for you guys when yeah. you get here and uh,
3: from your lips we, to God's ears and I hope so
4: too yeah yeah Well, we wish you uh, enjoy. I know you're playing Hershey uh, coming up here real soon and we wish you safe travels as you get back around the northeast and we'll see you when you get into town in just a little over two weeks man
3: Fantastic. Thank you, John. I enjoyed it. I really had a good time. The Summer's Great American Rock Show
0: is coming. Sticks.
2: Well, up the
1: Joan Chet and the Blackhearts.
2: I don't give a damn,
0: Special guest, show. Tesla. Saturday, July 14th, Key Bank Pavilion. Tickets on sale now at LiveNation.com, Ticketmaster.com, or charge by phone. Light it up, let's get this show on the road. Part of the Borders & Borders
1: Concert Series.
4: All right. Thank you to Ricky for coming on and chatting with us. We're going to turn our attention now to Johnny Gioelli. Uh, Johnny talks about a project he kind of refers to as GioNovo, which is Johnny GioNelli. And also Dean Castronova, who was uh, the drummer for a long time for the band Journey. Um, has done some music more recently with uh, Doug Aldridge. Also was the uh, drummer of Hardline. And Hardline was where uh, Johnny and Dean originally met. Uh, this was back in like 1992. They both played on the debut album, which featured Hot Cherry, which uh, I think is one of the most phenomenal songs to come out of the 90s. Um, which is kind of a dark time for music, but that was a real bright spot. Uh, so they've gotten back together. They decided to do an album, and uh, Johnny talks kind of how about that? How that reunion came back together, and uh, we're gonna play you a little bit of that album right now, and then we're gonna get into that interview with Johnny G O L E. Welcome back to Iron City Rocks, the great Johnny Gioelli. How are you doing today, Johnny?
1: Hey, man, doing great. Thanks for having me back. My pleasure. I appreciate it very much. Hello to all the listeners of Iron City Rocks, baby. Hey, you've got a new album
4: coming out, Set the World on Fire, um, with Dean Castronova, which takes you back to the first Hardline record. Um, can you talk about how you guys kind of crossed paths again after all these years? It's been you know, about 20-some sure. years.
2: Yeah, yeah, man. Yeah,
1: exactly. Uh, It was was a great reunion. I will will say that right out of the gate. What happened was um, I was doing a bunch of interviews actually in in preparation of my uh, solo album that's Mm -hmm. coming out in December, and we can talk about that later. And a a journalist, actually I won't mention names, um, made sort of an ill comment about Dean's uh, life. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, we all have our... Peaks and valleys in our lives, and we 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 go through our our stuff. We have our skeletons. We all do, and uh, it's just that his got publicized, and um, and he took some heat for it. But I supported him. I said, you know what, man, the interview's over because uh, you don't know Dean, and I do. I know his heart. He's like a brother to me. Mm-hmm. He's he's recovering. He's recovered. Everything's good. So this interview's over. He's like, oh, no, no, wait, 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 wait. No, man, no, we're not going to talk. We're not going to talk smack about my brother. It's just not not the way it's going to work. So Dean heard that, Hmm. and so did his son. Dean's son, Kyle, is a great drummer, was Hmm. like two years old. He was two years old when we did uh, Double Eclipse. Sure. And um, he even reached out and said, man, thank you for supporting my dad. So anyway, Dean reached out to me. He said, bro, I heard that interview. Thank you. I said, Dean, you don't have to thank me. I know you. I know what's inside you, um, right. and we all go through shit. So, anyway, he, a week later, he calls me. He goes, hey, bro, you want to do a record? of a oh, yeah. uh, let me think about that. Yeah, yeah. Why not? And that's how it happened. I really, I wish it was this real strategy that we sat right. down and discussed. With no, it was like, hey, bro, you want to do records? Yeah, man, let's do it. Okay, cool. And that following week, we started gathering songs. <laughs> that was yeah, it.
4: Nothing, nothing wrong with that. Now, how was the experience no, for you?
2: Uh,
1: you,
4: you've been, you know, you've been the pipes of Axel Rudy Pell and Hardline and and other projects. How is it sharing the mic with someone? Is that is this kind of a first for you?
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, I've done a couple duet things, you know, with Axel Rudy Pell, and like his right. Bonnie Tyler thing, and right. Um, well, here's the thing, you know, with Dean. Uh, I mean, people now know, of course, through his journey work that the guy can sing his ass sure. off, I and mean, he's he's a brilliant singer. Right. But they didn't really realize that, you know, back in the, the Hardline Double Eclipse days, he sang background and stuff like that, but mm. people didn't really know that Dean could sing, sing. Right. And, um... So this is blowing people's minds uh, really that we decided to sing mm-hmm. together and I you know, even Neil back in the double eclipse days would say, You guys should do something together and I'm just back then it was like, you know, you're the singer, you're the drummer, you're the guitar player, you're the bass player, that's it. That's kind of the way it worked right. back then. But now I could I could kick my own ass because that would have been cool even back then. Yeah. Um but it was you know, for me, uh I I know you know Dean's style uh, and what what he was going to contribute vocally to this, and and I know you know what I do with my my growly voice, and mm-hmm. uh, we knew it was going to work. We joke about it too, like Dean, you're definitely the feminine voice on yeah. this thing, and he laughed like hell. And I said, what what you know this is like uh, like Hall and Oates here? What are we doing? But we we just didn't put a lot of thought into. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, is this gonna work? And our voices together. We're just like, dude, you 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 want to sing that part? Yeah, sure. Okay, I'll, you want me to take this part? Yeah, okay. And that's the way we did it. Now we- really,
2: you
1: no, know, not a, like a tremendous amount of thought behind it. Just like, let's let's just do this. Now
4: when you, when you guys are doing vocal me- me- melodies and you know coming up with those those ideas for the parts, I mean. Is it weird for you? I'm sure you're you're very used to what your own voice can do, and I know from prior conversations, Axel will send you tracks and you kind of come up with your melodies, but you're kind of painting with someone else's crayons here. you're working with a different voice other than your own. Is that kind of surreal in a way, to say, okay, well, this isn't a part I would sound good on, but his voice would sound fantastic, or, you know, this one's for me, his voice is too feminine, or, you know.
1: Yeah, <laughs> Look, okay, we should not use feminine. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah,
4: he's going to come and kick me. A
1: little Perry-ish, yeah. Yeah, he's
4: going to kick my I, ass. I
1: heard you called me a femme. <laughs> so, um, yeah, with that, we just kind of, and, and you know, uh, I, I, I give a lot of credit to Alessandro, who produced it, because mm as a producer, you've got to know mm-hmm. who's going to fit better in certain, you know, situations. But there was, you know, some songs like Mother. I said, I- I've got to sing Mother. Mm-hmm. I-, I got to sing it just because of my mother. I-, I got to sing Mother. I said, you do you mind? And Dean's like, no, no, go for it. That's cool. So we just sort of – some things were thought out where, like, vocally, um, pitch-wise – um, you know, sonically, this is better for you, better for me. Mm-hmm. And other things were just like, shit, man, I really like that song. Can I sing it? Yeah. And it was like, yeah, bro, okay. So again, it, it just kind of
4: Democratic.
1: worked that way. But I will tell you what was happening. So I recorded most of my vocals in my recording studio in my home, mm-hmm. and Dean recorded with Alessandro in Italy because Dean doesn't have a, a studio. Right. And um, but as for each recording, we're thinking, God, I hope I'm kicking ass, or the other guy, yeah. that, shit, I hope he, I hope he doesn't even kick my ass on this one. I better. C-. And so Dean would text me, go, mm-hmm. dude how am I going to live up to how am I going to sing on top of that and, I'm, mm. and I said Dean I was thinking the same damn thing how am I going to freaking kick your ass on this song so it was a lot of fun bro a lot of fun
4: you figure you've got a bigger you get a bigger risk here because you know he can still play the drums but if he takes your singing parts you know you're going to have to take up the cowbell or something if you ever you're do these kidding, songs live man. you don't freaking need damn
1: the... tambourine or something exactly. I know that son of a bitch <laughs> you know I'm <laughs> you know I, i'm I'm not a greedy guy. Right. I'm just I was so happy to just be back and entrenched with with Dino. Mm-hmm. he's just such a, a talented uh, guy. I mean, this guy can 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 play anything. you know, you mm-hmm. put a piano in front of him, a guitar bass, freaking harmonica, and the guy can play it. So you know working with someone of that caliber, it was just it just. You know, it was just wonderful. It was easy. Not that the other guys I play with aren't that caliber. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying, knowing that I was going to work within that caliber was just made it just a no brainer for me. Like, come on, bro, let's just do this.
4: Yeah, it's got to be kind of fun to go back in time, you know, and kind of recapture some of the energy yeah. you had there. You know, obviously, you know, you've you've worked with Always. Axel now for. God I was staggering like 20 some years now with Axel. Yeah. Um, you know and to think you know it, not that that's getting stale but I think sometimes when musicians can collaborate with other people sometimes it did just foster something you know a different part of the brain or you know a different uh, spark and sometimes I can make a,
1: a yeah, beautiful Yeah. and that's 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 true and a and a great point you know and yeah. and you know look I'm the, I'm the tender ripe age of 50 now and mm-hmm. I've had 39 years since I'm 11 years old in this mm-hmm. business literally And for me, you know, people may say, oh, my God, Johnny does so many projects. Well, okay. Johnny, me, I want to create as much music as I possibly can because Mm -hmm. guess what, everyone? I freaking love making music. I love writing. I love performing. I love the people. I love you know, attempting to to change and alter the way someone feels when they hear some of my music. So for me, any opportunity to create music with anyone, if I have the time and I can fit it in, I'm going to do it. I don't care if it's with your grandmother. I love making music. So um, and I, and Dean's the same way. Um, loves to perform. Loves to loves to work. The second he gets home, he, he calls me, he's like. Dude, you want to go? Do you want to? You want to go play some shows? You want to go do something? I'm like, dude, I just got back. I was in freaking 14 countries in three days. I'm exhausted. And he like, said, Well, let's go do this. Let's go do that. So, you know, we're of the same ilk and work ethic. We just wanna, we just wanna play, make music.
4: Yeah, and it, uh, you know, it sounds really fantastic on the record. Um, now, obviously, you, you've kept the the hardline ball rolling. If you guys? Ever kicked around the idea of him possibly doing some shows with you guys
1: yeah you know we 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 have i mean I'm a extremely loyal guy and and chesco Yovino, our drummer of hardline i would I would never hurt him in a million years, but we have talked about doing some guest appearances and and chesco's like, oh bro absolutely because i I'd be sitting right behind him watching him, so yeah, you may see. You may see some fun stuff like that uh, coming up shortly. Hey, yeah. You know, hey, the Allman oh. Brothers had
4: two drummers for how long? They made it work. You
1: know. Right, man. True. Good point. Very <laughs> really
4: good j- point. Turn it into a jam band.
1: Um, yeah, no, man. Yeah, that kind that kind of worked, didn't it? <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> for them, yeah.
4: Now, you mentioned your, um, your solo album, I and I know when we had talked, um, I think it was back in 2016, you were just in the process of you know kind of doing the pledge music, getting funds together. Um, and you were yep. working uh, with a very, very special charity, which I still, you know, very pleased to see that you know you guys are still affiliated with. Can you talk about where the album is and, and what's going on with that?
1: Sure. It, the album is completely finished. It's sitting here waiting for the entire world to love it and enjoy it. And I hope that's what happens. We're gonna. I'm gonna release the album. It's called One Voice. It's gonna be released in uh, December it is on the frontiers label the pledge music uh, portion of that was merely to raise funds for the charity for go joe go joe barber who's the young man that i dedicate the album to uh... from his his accident that happened it's now two years i can't believe it mm. um, two years ago and he's still you know he's fighting that battle you know Every day we wake up and we get out, we just jump out of bed and we wiggle our toes and we do whatever we do and we grab our coffee. It's not like that for Joe. Um, he needs help. He needs equipment. Eight million dollars plus in the, in his lifetime he will spend just existing. So the Pledge music was just my contribution. Um, I shouldn't even say my contribution. It was the most Amazing outpouring of love and generosity from fans from all over the world all over the world man I mean the most obscure places people donated to a kid they don't know um, just through the love of music and I guess the love of me which I'm, 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 I'm just so honored so that album releases on Frontiers in December and it is just bro I'm telling you it's the happiest I've been not that I don't love all the things I do but it's the happiest I've been since 1992 because it was the perfect timing for me to help and the perfect timing for me to have that creative outlet I needed as now an old man of 50. Mm. I wanted to, you know, use some of the experience that I've gained in just my own life to say a few things on this record. And uh, it's a very positive, uplifting, very Brian Adams meets Foo Fighters there's there's power in it. there's it's it's cool, man. it's just cool and it, it's a little removed from from mm-hmm. what the people may perceive as what I do, but not far. it's it's really me, man. I mean every word, every melody it's it's me so I I, I just I hope it's well received, but I gotta tell you it stops with me first because I love it. Yeah. I freaking listen to this album every day. I run with it. I listen to it and I go, shit, I made that. I, I and I love it. I'm so proud of it. So, I hope it I hope it translates that way to everyone.
4: Yeah, and that, that's a, that's a good thing. You know, when you've got the faith in what you've done, you know, that's always a, you know, a big a big feather in the cap, you know, when you can say, you know, here's some material that, that really represents who I am. I'm proud of it. You know, a lot of people do, you know, the solo albums and it's a bunch of guests and it almost seems like it's just there to make product. Um, it's you know you've been emotionally involved in this. I know for you know the better part of two years. So it's it's
1: by yeah. the time we're going to see that. it's well said, be
4: fantastic. Yeah, um,
1: yeah now. That's, that's well that's well said, bro. I'm emotionally involved in this. Mm-hmm. So for me, it's it's outcome is ultimately uh, it's it's paramount for me. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I I want it to succeed. So and it will. We've got some traction from some of the biggest morning shows in in the u.s this thing could just reach a, a level that i that i've never seen yet in my career so and if that happens i'll meet it face on and and we'll take care of business and we'll help joe and bring awareness to uh, um um to, to 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 others who uh who need help so i'm, I'm all about the helping right now man i really am yeah.
4: Wonderful. Now, as far as the rest of your year, I mean, you've got... Do you have live dates coming up? Obviously, with Hardline, Axel, Um Do you have a pretty full year lined up as far as touring?
3: So,
1: I, I will tell you, um, I've never been busier in my career, uh, thanks to all the, the listeners. I'm, I, I have albums scheduled to 2022. I'm, I am touring. I could m- pull my calendar out to... I'm scheduled to the end of 2019. I mean, I am busier than a, you know, than a, than a one-legged kickboxer. If you can imagine mm-hmm. that. So, um, yeah, and we're planning a, a Geo Novo uh, tour next year. Not okay. extensive, but since this album, uh, it's, your, it's not even released, it's just mm-hmm. kicking ass socially we said we've got to we've got to play live mm-hmm. so we're putting that together there's a lot going on man but um we're gonna we're fitting it all in i i, awesome. I am so packed with 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 beautiful music work and tour i mean i couldn't be happier
4: uh, yeah that's that's all you can ask for you know in the, in the music industry you know i think that that certainly that says a lot you know when you're busy that's that's the really good yeah. thing and i think it you know getting out there and doing you know shows with dean i think that always helps you know there's no shortage of collaboration albums you see you know that are done you know remotely by people we've interviewed people where they haven't actually physically been in the same room with people they've done albums um you know but i think you get that you get those live shows under your belt and then it becomes something really special you know and then
1: yeah you know, the i agree with you i, I I agree with you, and, and and you know not not tooting my own horn, and and I can vouch for for Dean. Uh, we're okay live, you know. what I mean mm-hmm. we we don't uh, we don't we don't mess with stuff like in the studio. We didn't like what we just sang. We we, we sing it again. Right. We don't use this app and this plugin and this. What the hell? We just we, we sing. So like oh man, I didn't like the way that sounded Okay, well let's freaking let's run it again. I mean that's we're old school guys and um, so live this stuff will will work well and I would be really really excited to uh, be on stage uh, with Dean again you know Hardline Double Eclipse that was a very powerful powerful band Man. live and I remember that feeling like I can feel it um, you know I remember like playing Wembley and the guys were at soundcheck. And I was a little bit late. Singers, we just we we're yeah. t- terribly late all the time. And I remember hearing them start to play "Doctor Love," and I ran full speed from backstage out onto the stage, and I'm like, "Whoa!" When I heard them playing, I'm like, "This is like this is like freaking dynamite, man! It's yeah. like an explosion." Anyway, so it will be the same thing, reuniting with Dean on the stage. So it's got to happen. We're gonna make it happen.
4: That's awesome. Well, Johnny, I want to thank you so much again. The new album comes out, is it 13th of July? Am I correct on that? Yes, awesome. it is, All right. yep. All right, we'll, we'll look for that so. from Frontiers, and we'll look for the solo album come December, man.
1: Bro, can't can't uh, can't thank you enough, and everybody listening to Iron City Rocks, man, appreciate it.
4: All right, Set the World on Fire, the new album from Johnny Gioelli and Dean Castronova will be out on July 13th on Frontiers Records. And as Johnny talked about, his solo album, will be out later this year on Frontiers, closer towards the holiday season, so be sure to check that out. Also, uh, if you're a fan of Axel Rudy Pell, he had a new album out earlier this year. Uh, Johnny was a vocalist on that, a phenomenal record. I I, I will say this unequivocally, you cannot go wrong with the Johnny Gioelli fronted album. Um, It doesn't hit bad notes. Uh, It's just the way it is this is reality so he's a criminally underrated singer here in the united states um has been with axel rudy pell for for many many years and enjoys quite a bit of success in europe but it's a band that the economics don't make it possible for him to tour over here with with axel rudy pell so power of spotify folks uh, if you're going to use it uh Look up Axel Rudy Pell or Johnny Gioeli and check that out. So until next time, I want to thank you so much for listening. Uh, you can visit us at ironcityrocks.com. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or YouTube are all forward slash ironcityrocks. And you can also drop us an email at ironcityrocks at gmail.com. So until next time, thank you so much for listening.